0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ask a Coach with Ingomu. My name is Al Weinert with Ingomu. And today I'm so excited to be speaking with leadership coach, Anjanette Sullivan, who is here with me already. We're so excited uh, that we're on the screen here. So uh, we're going to be talking about forming teams, working together well, developing strengths and leadership skills. So, Angie, welcome. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Hey, thank you, Al.
0: So let's just dive straight into our conversation here. So tell me a little bit about your background and what inspired you to become a coach.
1: So I have been in learning and development, well, as learning and organizational development for about 24 years. And what that means is whenever there were some performance issues, I would come in, I would consult, and assess if there was a skill deficiency or if there was some other type of deficiency that caused that performance issue. One of the things I was asked to do back in 2009, I believe, 2009, 2010, I was working for a utility company and they wanted me to come in and centralize a team. Well, one of the things that they asked me to do when I was centralizing this team was to determine, of course, What were the competencies for all of the roles? What were all of the roles that were needed? And then the competencies, and that was fine. Well, they were looking to get rid of some people because they said they were horrible trainers. And I said, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Yes, you may think that they're horrible trainers, but do you have the right people in the right roles doing the right things the right way? So as I identified what those competencies were, then what I actually found out was that some people were very competent in LMS administration because they had the technical skill set, but they had them as facilitators. So they didn't need to be those facilitators, of course. Move them into the to the LMS administrative role. Move some people into the instructional design role, and those people really flourished because they were then in the right roles doing the right things. So I kind of stumbled into coaching that way. Then when I moved to Houston, I had the opportunity then to work with some folks. Um, I was consulting for an oil and gas company and it was after the oil spill. And one of the things that in, in the Gulf of Mexico back in, when was that? 2010 when that happened, but I think I came in 2011. One of the things that, uh, they wanted me to do was train on these new procedures new guidance practices and things of that nature but they wanted it to be a data dump and and i said but what is it that you're actually trying to accomplish and they said well we want people to be able to read and interpret these documents and then apply them on the job and i said okay but doing a data dump has that worked for you in the past and <laughs> well uh Well, and I, well, we wouldn't be here if it actually did work for you. So come on, you know, and I was getting it out of them. So I said, look, let's, let's try to do some things differently. Let's apply these things. Let's, let's see how they can actually apply these. And I did it in a game for format called Quizopoly. So they move around the board and all of this stuff, but it was based upon their ability to apply, read interpret and apply any of these procedures so once i taught them how to do that and they were like well well yeah that actually did work and people's behaviors actually did change and then at another company that i was consulting with and from um did some coaching there and it was a team that was completely dysfunctional because of a manager and the leader the vp of hr did not want to get rid of that manager and i remember stating hey you know what the problem is the manager doesn't have the skill sets the manager was actually a person that was doing a lot of gossiping and very toxic and i said one or two things are going to happen either you're going to have to get rid of this manager or you're going to have a lot of people who are going to exit stage left so which one do you want to do so all of this i kind of fell into And then when I got uh, certified with with Berkman, then it all became very clear. It was all about the teams and how teams work together effectively. How do we assess what the skill sets are? How do we make sure that we have the right people and the right jobs doing the right things? And I have been doing that probably now and just really focused on that now for the past two years.
0: Talking about you know, making good teams better. So from the assumption that you're a good team to begin with, how do you know, you know, that you can do better? How do you discover that?
1: Ask the question. The very first thing that you do is you talk to your team and you find out, hey, what can we do better? Because, and, and, and think about this, um, shoot, I can't remember the name of the the person who created the, um What do you call it? The Blackberry. And remember, the Blackberry was good. It was great for texting. It was great (laughs) and it was great for emails. But things were evolving. The customer needs were evolving and they just wanted to stay stuck. They didn't necessarily go back to the customer and say, Hey, what is it that you're you're looking for? Or you know really seek out that guidance and maybe there were some people even within the company that were raising their hands and saying, "Hey, maybe we should consider X, Y and Z." But it was this fixed mindset that this that we have right now, that's all that's working and that we don't need to change anything. But always go back and just like we do with our cars, just like we do with with our air conditioners, get that tune up and one of the ways that we can get a tune up with our teams is to just simply ask what are we doing well what can we do better what do we need to stop doing what do we need to continue doing what do we need to start doing and ask those same things of of your customers as well whether they're internal or external and and people will tell you and if you're afraid they won't tell you because of your status or, or whatever the case may be then do um, an anonymous survey and people will tell you.
0: So that's an interesting point. Is this, you know, people sort of have this annual meeting thing, everybody gets together and maybe you ask those questions, but how often should you really be doing that? Is this like a monthly thing, a quarterly thing, an annual thing? What's your You should always
1: listen to your people (laughs) every day. Um, But I would say at the very least, Every six months, just check in and see where you are because you can do the big uh, brouhaha annually, but I, I'm not really concerned about all of the brouhaha. I'm really concerned about, hey, coming together, whether it's every six months or whether it's annually and, and just say, look, we don't need the show boats. We don't need all of the, the presentations for all mm-hmm. of the leaders or what have you. This is just us. What is it that we need to do differently? What do we need to start doing, stop doing, and continue doing? What are we doing well? And if you don't feel comfortable with telling me this, can we do this anonymously? And then let's start doing something about it.
0: So as you've gone through that, through that exercise and you have the answers,
1: mm-hmm. so,
0: and, and you really meaningfully want to make that change to your team, you know, what are some of those first steps to take, the actual action steps to take to move that forward?
1: the very first thing that you have to do as a leader when you're working with your team is to be aware of your biases and be aware of some Mm -hmm. blind spots that you may have because one of the things that we often get in trouble doing is yeah we tried that or no that's not going to work or yeah that's a good idea but and when you do that then you're shutting people down And when you don't have this um, open mindset, what that often causes is you not to be able to move forward. So that very first thing is is to have that open mindset, recognize your biases, because just because you don't like doing something a certain way doesn't mean that that's necessarily the right way to do it. You know, this is the way that I wanna do it. Mm -mm." And then the very next thing that you do is come up with a plan. And when you're coming up with a plan, You're saying, here are the things that we're going to work on. These are our top priorities. Then also assess with your team, what are their strengths? And not you assessing by yourself. Oh, I know that this person is really good in that. And this person is very interested in that. I can be... Very good in a whole heck of a lot of things, which I am, by the way. I'm okay. <laughs>
0: no surprised. I
1: actually am. I'm good at a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that I enjoy all of those things. Mm, so, yeah. where there's an opportunity with your team, if they have an interest in these things, come up with this matrix and say, based upon these things, here are the skills that are going to be needed. Here are the interests that are going to be needed where your strengths and, and plug and play those people, but allow them to have that input as well. And then you can start to move forward. You know, who's working on what, when.
0: So how do you get, you know, I mean, you can have small teams, you can have, you know, insanely large teams. How do you get everyone on board?
1: One of the things that I have done and it has always worked with me, regardless of the size of the team is I've done a team contract and with that team contract. And and it doesn't matter if it's a new person that's on your team, that joins your team. If it's a project team, if it's a team just, you know, for a short period of time or, you know, for perpetuity, whatever the case is you get together. And the very first thing that you talk about is your values, but you want to make those values real And you ask people, what does it look like when we're communicating uh, effectively? What does it look like when we're um, collaborating effectively? And what does it look like when we're showing one another respect? If you can answer those three things and not people saying, well, don't do. Don't do is not a behavior that we can see. Tell me the behaviors that you want to see. And one of the things that someone shared with me one time before when I was talking about this with my team, she said, um, ask me about my family because I'm so much more than this job. And I was like, Mm -hmm. ask you about your family. Well, I don't care about your family. We're here to do a job. And that was what was in my head. But what she taught me then, because that was a mess that I've learned years ago in my past, that people are just there to do a job. But what she taught me right then and there was we come to the table as our whole selves. We are much more than just worker bees. And so I did learn to ask about her family. And because I learned to ask about her family, I ended up adopting those people as my family when I moved to Houston. I love them, (laughs) love them, but she knew that I cared and it was authentic, but it also allowed me to grow and then show how I could care for others in the future.
0: It's a very interesting point you make is as we at NGOMO here speak with the clients we work with, the corporations we work with, the feedback we get a lot from the employees as to why do you want to use this is it's mainly be, it's the biggest. The biggest piece of feedback really is because we want to see that our employer cares. Yes. So they care about all that personal stuff. So I want to jump back a little bit on your previous um, comment about the uh, the service and so on and feedback we we got a question coming here from somebody watching the show so you know some people do as you as you mentioned have maybe a little bit of fear of reprisal and so on if they give feedback so if you if you're bringing somebody if you're bringing somebody in externally to do that potentially a consultant or so on you know um so, what are some of the values you think a good consultant can bring to improve improve a team's performance? Sorry. Does that make sense?
1: What what values, what are some of the values that a good consultant can bring so, to, yeah, to
0: improve a team performance?
1: Oh, to improve a team performance. Oh, now one of that one of those things that a good consultant can do is always to, to listen. Don't come in assuming that you know the answer to everything but really listening to all of those people that are are there at the table and that's not just with the consultant that's with the leader as well and cuz one mm-hmm. of my biggest values and greatest values is inclusion and i know we've been hearing a lot about diversity equity and inclusion but inclusion for me is allowing everybody at the table to have a voice I don't care what your title is. So when you're coming to the table, I always think of myself with the team as, as, um, is it King author's round table? And I don't think I'm a King. I don't think I'm a monarch by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a round table. Everybody is equal at that table and everybody has an opportunity to have a voice. So when you're allowing everybody to have a voice, regardless of what that is, then at that time, people, people do feel valued and people will offer up, hey, this is how we can do things and this is how we can do things differently. And when you feel like you, you're valued and you're, you care, you will give more of yourself. So that was a really good question. Um, what was the other thing that I wanted to say, if, if you're coming to the table as a consultant as well? because we've talked about the open mindset, not making assumptions. Oh, well, it is the assumptions. Also be aware of any biases that you could be projecting onto people, because sometimes what we do is we make an assumption. We see somebody and based upon whatever experiences that we have, and we may see somebody who has, mm, uh, I don't, oh, this is a good one. See somebody that may be of a certain nationality. And because of whatever your experience may be with that person of a certain nationality whatever it was you may make assumptions that this particular person is that exact same way and i'll give you a good example there was somebody who was um indian who uh, from india who i remember was raising his voice at me and screaming and all of this other kind of stuff and then when i came into another instance with someone, and I was consulting and coaching with this person, I was like, ah, this is gonna be a bad situation. They're gonna think just because I'm a female, I don't know anything. And it wasn't that situation at all. And I had to check myself and realize that I was about to project something onto somebody that was not their reality at all. So thanks for that question.
0: Those biases can be a challenge. And I think we we all go through those.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we're yeah. not aware of them all the time. But when Isn't that what they call it unconscious
0: bias? <laughs>
1: yeah, well, that's right. It's unconscious. But one of the things that I have and I'm really excited about, and I would recommend that all leaders do this, always get an accountability partner and, and always try to get somebody who is going to tell you the truth and who's going to challenge you, whether you want to hear it or not. And I have tons of friends who will challenge me and i may get upset for a day i may get upset for a couple of hours but then i think about it and i realize yep they're absolutely right and this is what i can do differently for my team
0: i must admit that as a 21 year old nobody could tell me anything as a 55 year old this please share <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, well so- one of the things that happened with me i and i'm really excited about this my mother used to call me weird she didn't know what was wrong with me i wouldn't always play with the kids sometimes i would play with kids my own old, own age but i would always hang out with my neighbor as well and she was in her 60s i love to hear stories from people yep. and it doesn't matter what your age is doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are or are not and doesn't matter what you know your ethnicity is race, gender, gender expression, none of that. I can learn from anybody. And I'm glad of that because of how I was raised. Although I, it would seem to be very weird initially, it has made me into the person that I am right now.
0: I, I can so relate to that. Um I was I was that weird kid as well. Um So something, something you alluded to a little bit earlier here. So what if you What if you have a team and you really want to do the right thing and you really want to move and improve that team performance but you have that boss who just doesn't get it doesn't want to play along or maybe isn't as you know as competent as you hope to you hope them to be you know what do you do
1: Ah, so i'm glad you used the word competent because there are two types of competence there is a consciously competent person and there is an unconsciously competent person consciously competent person is a person who is aware that they don't know what they don't know which is a good thing it's a good thing um well sometimes it's a good thing it it just depends on the individual Mm -hmm. an unconsciously competent person they don't know what they don't know and typically that is a, a bad thing and it really depends on that person's ego So both of those situations can either be okay, or it it can go awry depending on, again, on that person's ego. But what you do to navigate those situations is make sure that you're always preserving a person's dignity. Don't make a a fool of a person and, you know, trying to make a point in front of a, a bunch of people. Uh, But what you want to do is bring a person, you know, to the side and, and, and speak to them in private. And when you're speaking to them in private, share with them, hey, have you considered not that's not the right way to do this, blah, blah, blah. But just say, in my experience, I've done blah, 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 blah. But, you know, have you considered this? Could this potentially work here or things of that nature? The other thing that you can do with them is also. Talk with members of your team and when you're sharing with members of your team, say, hey, there's this one particular project or, or, or process that I'm, I'm considering and just want your thoughts and, you know, let's do some brainstorming here. Here's some pros and cons and I want to share this with whomever so that they can make the decision. And then when you're sharing with that person in private, hey, here's something that the team was, was considering and, and just wanted to share with you. Here are some options and you can make whatever recommendation that you need to make, but you're going to make an informed decision based upon these uh, options. And here are the risks. Here are some potential mitigations for these risks. And then this person will recognize that, hey, you're there to help them, not there to make a fool of them. And, And typically they get on board now if it's a person that has an ego that's just in a way and regardless of what you try and even if you're trying to work with um, some of their peers that that can help them also see some things differently and they're still not learning then sometimes you just have to let them fail just take your hands off them and let them fail, because sometimes that's the only way that people will learn by allowing them to fail but give them a chance first and assume innocence
0: that's great, and you've talked about this in your, you know, in in Gomo Coaching Community, um, and there have been some really fun and spirited conversations there. <laughs> I've been part of them. Um, but what's what are some of the red flag behaviors uh, that you see of an individual, you know, an individual team member, you know, that can really cause harm to uh, to a team, can break down a team, and, and how do you how do you overcome those?
1: Oh gosh. There is how, much time, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, no, there, there are several. Um, some of the, the red flag behaviors is when someone is always pointing fingers, and I, I, I've i seen this, and I call it the smoke and mirrors. Um, if someone's pointing fingers at this person's, wrong, this person's doing that wrong, this person's doing that wrong, this person's doing that wrong, but what happens oftentimes is that's deflecting from that person. You're so focused on looking at these other people and not necessarily looking at that individual and one of the things that you would do in that case is say you know what i really thank you for bringing this to my attention and now the bubble over your head may be look tattletale you need to stop all of this (laughs) but (laughs) but what you tell them is you know i really appreciate you bringing this to my attention i'll take care of that but hey where are you on doing x y and z and you you know just check back in with them and making sure that they're doing what they need to do Another thing that you need to also look at is if a person is just not getting stuff done. So when people aren't getting stuff done, when people are pointing fingers at people, when people aren't owning mistakes because it's always somebody else's fault or yes, but, and you know, I, I, yeah, but I, it, or they have excuses for everything. Those are the the big red flags that somebody's not getting things done um but you always hold them accountable always stick to the facts don't worry about um saying hey you know what why are you worried about blah 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 just say hey i assigned you with this task or during this situation you were supposed to do blah 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 your actions were this And then the result was this, either something wasn't done or what have you. Now, how are we going to do things differently? Always focus on on the facts. Don't focus on the individual. And when you're focusing on the facts and the situation and the actions that they took and the results that you did or did not get out of that, then that brings people back into check a lot of times.
0: So part part of being on a team also requires trust. That's such a big essential piece of that so how do you how do you build trust among your team among your different members on your team
1: the very first thing is be authentic and one of the things that you will hear from me um and you'll also see from me is what you see is what you get and people who have worked on my teams before have always said what you see from angie is really what you get so be authentic bring your authentic self to work be consistent with whatever it is um if you're now i'm not saying that people can't have a bad day but if you're consistently positive just be a positive person and if you're not a a positive person don't fake the funk just be who you are but also be very vulnerable Be willing to share that. Yeah, I made this mistake. yep, this was me. I did it. I caused whatever this is. And people will have a heck of a lot more respect for you when you own up to your mistakes or if you own up to not knowing something and just needing the help. The other thing that I will share that will build trust is conversations. I always say that conversations prevent consternation. Um, A lot of times we conjure up in our head what how bad things can go and how things can go awry but when you typically have those conversations in real time when you're focused on the facts and you're focused on on the actions and and the results versus focusing on on people and and thinking that someone has done something to you those conversations actually go a lot better than what you anticipate we just oftentimes conjure up stuff like that But communication, the vulnerability, the consistency, and the authenticity, those things are what will always build that trust.
0: That's interesting. I had a conversation with someone yesterday who is just a minor thing, and it was built up in this person's head to where it became a really big bad thing. And I just couldn't comprehend why it was such a bad thing. Is just like, so you had to have a conversation about it and it wasn't. So you had to bring the, you know, the self doubt, all that talk down a little bit. And it was just having an open conversation with this person. So, um, it's, I thought that was, that was a great thing. And so you build trust, being able to listen and, you know, being able to understand and so on, so, um, it's important. So, um, so what are some of the tools, you know, resources, exercises that you can recommend for, you know, for building and leading a team?
1: So there are two big tools or two major tools that I've used. One is called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And that is a book by Patrick Lencioni. I think that's how he pronounces his name. Um, And that is just a really great book. And he has an assessment that goes along with that. And in that book, it talks about the foundation of all teams is making sure that there is trust then it talks about the conflict or the fear of conflict. And if you're taking this assessment, you'll see where there's a breakdown. If there's a lack of trust, if there's a fear of conflict, if there is an inattention to results, if there's not a commitment, or if there's a lack of accountability. And taking that assessment can really help with that and just focusing in on those different areas. Then also, because I am Berkman certified and I I love all things Berkman, there are a lot of other assessments that are out there. But one of the things that I love about Berkman is if your team can can take this um, as a team, is it not only looks at those things that motivate you, but it looks at your usual behaviors, your stress behaviors, and what your needs are. And one of the things that a lot of other assessments don't do is really focus on those needs. Because we can see people's stress behaviors. We can see their usual behaviors when things are going really, really well. But what we cannot see that's under the surface is those needs. And we have to talk to people, just like you were talking about with that, that person had things you know, just really built up. Um, figure out what those needs are that are not being met, that's causing a stress behavior, or figure out how to make sure you're meeting those needs that's gonna cause these usually strong behaviors or strengths in a person. Um, but those are two of the tools that I would absolutely recommend using.
0: Perfect. So um, you're one of our amazing Ngomo coaches. And so <laughs> tell me, uh, which I've benefited from when I've been to your sessions. So uh, to tell me a little bit about your coaching community here at NGOMU, um, how to make good teams better.
1: So that is really what I've been doing with that is I've been using <laughs> a lot of case studies. So as I've talked to friends, uh, things that I've, I've worked with uh, at, at different companies where I've been consulting, I've been looking at what's been working, what's not working, and then just giving that feedback as to how to make those good teams better. And I always start off with make sure that you have the right person with the right skills in the right jobs doing the right things. And by making sure that you have the right person, you're looking at that competencies. You're, You're looking at, hey, what what role do I actually have? What do they need to be able to do today? And what do they need to be able to do in the future? And so the right person with the right skills doing the right things, and you need to clearly define what those right things are. And those right things are not just, hey, what we're doing today, but how are we going to look in a few months? And how are we going to look in a year? And then again, always coming back to reassess, are those things still right for what we're doing? Are they still aligned with the with the uh company's goals and 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 um objectives or things of that nature. And this is not just something with corporate America, but you can also do this whether it's with churches, whether it's mm-hmm. with um gosh, uh nonprofits, any of these things where teams are working together toward a vision and getting this stuff done. And so I'm always giving you tools and tips as to how to communicate, how to identify your own biases, what to do when somebody is being disruptive, how to get everybody on board, how to work with that leader when that leader is not on board. It's all things 360 degrees teams.
0: And I've used some of the stuff I've learned in your sessions on the nonprofit side of being on a board. Yeah. So that's and so it's and not just work. There's so many different angles to that. So, so Angie, what's what's the most important lesson you've learned from being a coach?
1: Oh gosh, uh, it's one of these. Oh shoot, it's three things. I guess and the first thing is not to make assumptions. Um, whenever you're listening to people. You're seeking first to understand and then to be understood. So don't don't make assumptions. Just just listen and really listen to what a person may be saying. Also, remember that whenever you're working with people, people have different experiences from you. So people were born and and raised differently and and they are raised in different parts of the country or different countries or or what have you. So people are not going to always see things the way that you see things and also just conversations prevent consternation. If you don't know, ask, and don't assume that you know, and oh shoot, then there's a fourth one. You said one, but I'm giving you <laughs> all four. Assume innocence. wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friends all, always know that every time I say, oh, that's it, that's it, I always come up with something else. Um, but always assume innocence because a lot of times we're, again, we're making these assumptions that something is about us, it really has nothing to do with us. It may be, have something to do with somebody's past because we do, according to our learning, and we do according to how we were raised. And and as my my aunt Sarah always said, we live what we learn. So just just assume that innocence.
0: Perfect. So what's one of my favorite questions? So what's the one thing you always want to talk about? You always want to write about? You know, in an interview or so, but nobody's ever asked you.
1: If people would ask me what I value the most, um, and a lot of people don't ask me what I value the most, um, but that is transparency and that is inclusion. And one of the things that people will hear me say is just let people be. And if you would just let people be, I'm not saying allow people to get away with stuff. I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But recognize that everybody comes to the table with different personalities, just different experiences and just allow people just to be themselves. And if we were to do that, I think this world would be such a a greater place with a, a lot less turmoil but what happens we're always trying to project our thoughts and our feelings and and our whatever on to other people and that's what causes all the consternation and the turmoil and and the anxiety and everything else leave people alone and just let them be
0: (laughs) i want to say amen to that
1: (laughs) and that's what most people say and you know it's funny that you say that um because even i I was talking to a friend of mine not not too long ago um and i told her i said if i were not already a christian unfortunately because of how i've been treated in some churches i would not want to have anything to do with christianity and it's not the christianity that is the problem it's the people who were projecting their stuff onto other people and they were treating other people certain ways and i mean and i i was a victim of some of that too um but i realized it's people and so i am just a firm firm believer in just letting people be and if people would just ask me you know what what do you value let people be
0: <laughs> i love it um thank you for sharing that angie as a reminder you are watching or listening later on to ask a coach within Ngomo and my name is Al Wyand, and today I'm speaking with Coach Anjanette Sullivan, who I call Angie, because she allowed yes. me to do that. <laughs> so. Yes, you do. <laughs> so as we close today's conversations, would love to go to our 10 questions. Okay. In our rapid-fire style okay. here. Um, so I'm just going to shoot those off here. Angie, so what's the best advice you've ever received and why?
1: My mother. My mother always told me, don't start off with anything you're not going to end with and it is a very true statement don't act as if you like to cook all the time when you know good and well you don't like to cook all the time or don't act as if you you like to do whatever it is that you may do and that's that's in your your personal life and that's in your work life just be who you are and instead of trying to impress other people so if you're who you are then a lot of times what happens is you have very less stress in your life but when you start to be something that other people think you should be that's when you're inviting all of this anxiety and stress in your life that you shouldn't have so just start off don't start off with anything you're not going to end with
0: so oh wait a minute your,
1: hold on props to Cynthia Hicks
0: <laughs> so who's been the most important professional mentor
1: oh my gosh the
0: professional mentor
1: I've had so many of them um, over the years. And uh, it started off with my first learning and organizational development manager. Her, ha- her name was Amy Bullock um, because Amy Bullock was always about finding those those diamonds in the rough. And it was Amy Bullock. It was uh, Kay Williamson. It was uh, Gary Kessling. It was, uh, gosh, uh, Renee Hansen, It was Bob Moeller. So all of these, Kevin Henry, all of these people believed in allowing people to just be, but they found diamonds in the rough and they helped to polish those diamonds to make sure that they could shine as bright as they possibly could be. And they would allow them to shine, whether it was in their organization or they would encourage them to shine elsewhere. And so that's something that I always wanted to do is to find those diamonds in the rough and help them to shine as brightly as they possibly could.
0: I love it. So what's the one piece of advice you could share with our audience to uplift them?
1: Wherever you are today is not where you were yesterday. So always compete with yourself. Don't compete with anybody else. Don't worry about that. That brings anxiety. But if you're at a different place today than you were yesterday, then you're successful and always strive to be a little bit further every single day and just always compete with yourself.
0: What's the one one thing you can do today to make a difference, you know? Absolutely. So what's your favorite book or podcast and how does it how does it inspire you?
1: So the book, my favorite book is called Never Go Back by Henry Cloud. Um and what he teaches is to, to really observe people and well not just observe people, observe Situations, and it can be relationships, it can be your jobs, it can be what have you. But if it's what's the saying, doing the the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, and that's what is is talking about. Not doing um, and making sure that you're you're looking at something, and once you observe this pattern, then you know either you need to get off the bus or or you need to move a different direction, whatever that is and he teaches you how to not get sucked back into whatever that uh bad behavior was and so it's, it's just really been good for me because there are a lot of times that I've, I've had people trying to uh dictate i guess is uh, advise that's the right word um always trying to advise what i should and should not be doing but it's my life that i'm living and is not their lives. And because I now have healthy boundaries, I don't have to worry about what they do. I don't have to get sucked back into that. I continue to move forward. So shout out to Henry Cloud.
0: Lots <laughs> of shout outs here. Somebody's, somebody posted in the chat, I'll let mama know you gave her some credit.
1: <laughs> I will, I will absolutely do that.
0: <laughs> so what do you do to relax?
1: Oh my gosh, I watch cartoons. I. <laughs> i uh, yeah i love cartoons and and they have to be old cartoons so things like johnny quest uh uh the flintstones well i do watch uh justice league unlimited but it it can be action stuff it's just fun stuff um but i will also do things um whether it is taking the swimming lessons whether it is walking so I, i love anything outdoors But just things that are are mindless or that just have me working and and, and walking. But the other thing that i like to do is learn more about myself. Um, So if there are opportunities for me to take uh, different assessments to learn more about myself, I will do that. Just just anything to figure out how my brain works, because I always like the why, why behind things.
0: So if you weren't a coach, what would your occupation be?
1: probably working for Berkman themselves and <laughs> being <laughs> a, a consultant for them. I just love that assessment. Um, yeah, I the founder of that, I mean, I know he's no longer alive. Man, if I could talk to him and figure out how his brain works, I, I would just be in heaven.
0: <laughs> if you won $10 million today or tomorrow, what would you spend it on?
1: uh let's see well the very first thing i would do is i would pay off my house and then the next thing that i would do is i would set up a foundation or a non-profit um for elderly as well as anyone who may be mentally disabled well families working with their elderly or mentally disabled because sometimes working through different systems it's hard to get people where they need to be and figuring out all of that information and then the last thing that I would do is I would set up some type of um a foundation for for uh high school kids who would just want to figure out what it is that they want to do. So one of the things I would do is have them take a, a Berkman assessment. I love Berkman, I told you. And it's because it's, it's figuring out the careers, but then giving them an opportunity to work in those different careers and not always going to, whether it's someplace in the mall or, or going to, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, fast food restaurants or something like that, but working in those different areas and seeing if that is something that they actually would like to work in.
0: So what's the one thing you do every day that adds to your success?
1: Challenge myself um, and not worry about anybody else. And then I always ask myself, hey, if what I'm doing right now, is that, is, is that really helping my vision? Or is that aligned with my vision or is is that out of my vision? And if that has nothing to do with the alignment of my vision and my purpose, Mm -hmm. then I stop doing it.
0: So what technology project can you live without or technology product can you live without
1: (laughs) a project or product? oh gosh i never thought i would be saying this years ago because I, I i was like ah, i don't need a smartphone but the smartphone but then when i think about it also and it's, it's a little more basic than even the smartphone if we did not have the internet mm. I, I, I just couldn't function i couldn't do my job i couldn't do what i'm doing with you right now i couldn't communicate with a lot of people a lot of different audiences so I, I guess brass tacks it would be the internet
0: internet so and last but not least please finish this statement leadership is
1: leadership is finding those diamonds in the rough and shining them to make them as bright as they possibly can be and in teaching them how to find other diamonds in the rough and and shining those and, and polishing those so that they can be as bright and shiny as possible.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. Angie, thank you for sharing with us today. I really appreciate that, enjoyed our conversation.
1: Hey, okay, thank you, Al. Uh,
0: so how can people uh, best connect with you?
1: Well, right now, they can best connect with me through LinkedIn. Uh, Eventually, I'll have my my website up because I'm redoing that and my Instagram. But right now, the best way to to connect with me is LinkedIn.
0: And I have that right on the bottom of the screen here. And if you're listening to that, it's LinkedIn.com slash n slash Anjanette dash Sullivan. So Anjanette dash Sullivan. So connect with Angie there. So thank you, Angie, again for for being here today I really appreciate it and thank everyone for watching and listening in the future here and I do want to invite you to our December 8th be more days it's our virtual conference that starts at 8 a.m pacific time it's a couple of hours and we'll be having conversations about how to accomplish your goals in the new year around life soul, wellness and work and angie will be part of this if i have that right (laughs) so yes so um there also will be a coach job fair in a networking event so hopefully you can make it to that it's going to be a great event you can find more information it is virtual but you can find more information at bemoredays.com and you can sign up there it is free it's just a great day of hanging together so we will see you next time next monday at 1 p.m mountain time with guest mo field and we're going to have a conversation about approaching uh, new approaches to a problem solving. So thank you everyone for being here. You can learn more about Ngomo at ngomo.com. But thank you for being here today. It was a pleasure seeing you. Make it a great rest of your day and we hope to see you next Monday.
1: Thank you.